Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Something magic happens Every time you go You make the magic happen The magic of Orioles baseball When the game is Welcome, one and all. We are getting so close to crowning a throwback league champion tonight on a brisk, windy night at Memorial Stadium in Balmer, Baltimore, Maryland. The 83 Orioles entertain the upstart five seed, Jim Leland's Florida Marlins, led tonight by 22-year-old Levon Hernandez. Josh Lewin with you, and here we are, one game away from the final four. Three teams already there, the 04 Red Sox, the 86 Mets, and 84 Tigers. But who will get that final golden ticket? We unwrap the Wonka bar under the lights while we drink our Natty Bow and watch Mike Flanagan on the mound for the Orioles. We're going to start with these Marlins, so we'll scout them out courtesy of Hall of Fame announcer Bob Costas. Well, the Marlins had finished, I don't know, nine, ten games behind the Braves in the same division, but they snared the wild card, and then they beat uh, the Braves in six games in the LCS. LaVon Hernandez had an incredible game in Florida uh, with the help of Eric Gregg behind the plate, who had the widest strike zone in history. Talk about an automated strike zone. I mean, his called third strike to end the game on Fred McGriff. McGriff couldn't have reached that with uh, Sergei Bubka's vaulting pole. It was so far outside. But it was kind of in keeping with uh, the feel of the game at that point. And now they get into the World Series against the Cleveland Indians. And in a sense, the Marlins were a sentimental favorite in among real baseball fans because of Jim Leland, lifelong baseball man who comes so close so many times with the Pirates. On the other hand, Indians fans had a lot more invested. During the seventh game on NBC, I think I said something about halfway through the game to this effect. There are people in Cleveland who've been waiting for this for a half century. There are people in South Florida who've been waiting for this since Thursday. And the people in South Florida got their wish. That seventh game was really a tremendous game. Had it been, had that game been exactly the same between, let's say, the Dodgers and Yankees, it would be one of the most well-remembered games in baseball history. It had all kinds of strategy, as great games do. It had heroes and goats. It had strategy that you could question, strategy that you could applaud. And the Marlins win it in 11 innings on the Edgar Renteria hit. 
Thank you, Bob. Yeah, the Marlins relied heavily on kids like Renteria and Levon Hernandez, but also free agency to address their needs for 97. Moises Halou, Bobby Bonilla, Alex Fernandez, before he got hurt, brought in. It all went well right off the bat, uh, right away. Moises Salou homered in his Florida debut, opening night against the Cubs. Everybody got on base at least once. Even Kevin Brown, the starting pitcher, they won that game and many more. They never could beat the Braves really in the regular season, but they sure did in the NLCS after they had disposed of the Giants in the division series. On the World Series, and for the first time in six years, it would need a seventh game. And the 97 Marlins did what they set out to do, checked off the box of having their first winning season, and then actually won a World Series. Yeah, South Florida had a winning baseball team for the first time. Attendance was up, not enough to satisfy Wayne Huizenga, who asked South Floridians just to kind of roll with it. Hey, fall in love with this team, and then I'll just dismantle this team is kind of how it went. One of the most devastating fire sales in baseball history. We won't get too deep into that. But around the 1997 season elsewhere, a year where Nellie Fox and Tommy Lasorda and Phil Negro all went into the Hall of Fame, your MVPs were Ken Griffey Jr. and Larry Walker that year. Roger Clemens and Pedro Martinez, your Cy Young winners for two Canadian teams, Toronto and Montreal. Rookies of the year were in Boston and Philly, Nomar Garcia-Para and Scott Rowland. Your managers of the year, Dusty Baker in San Francisco, Davey Johnson for the Orioles. Now, speaking of the Orioles, 1983, that's kind of position post-Davey playing career and pre-managerial career for Davey Johnson. This was the managerial stewardship of Joe Altabelli, the chain-smoking former Giants manager had taken over for Earl Weaver. Alto, who will be recalled later in the broadcast by our buddy Ken Singleton, Native Detroiter, he did what the Earl of Baltimore did not do back in 79. He actually steered him all the way to the title in 83, that one over the Phillies. And it was kind of a win now or else for these Baltimore players. Kent Singleton towards the end of his career, for example. But uh, they were led by Cal Ripken Jr. in just his second year. Eddie Murray had developed into a perennial all-star at the age of 27. He had an on-base percentage of close to 400 hit 33 home runs. That was good for second in MVP voting. Cal Ripken, his teammate and very good friend, would win it instead. 27 homers, 102 runs batted in. We mentioned Singleton. He played some right field. He also DH'd another very productive player at an advancing age, an on-base percentage of 393. It was a deep team. You had the catcher, Rick Dempsey, a terrific field leader. Uh, Gary Renicky, John Lowenstein in left, platooning there. Uh, they both had a knack for the big hit. Rich Dower, steady glove man at second. Al Bunbury, reliable in center, along with John Shelby, who will get the start tonight. Yeah, Jim Dwyer, Joe Nolan off the bench. And the starting pitching, that was a staple back to their first World Series title back in 1966. This year, it was Scotty McGregor, Mike Flanagan, who will pitch tonight. A young Mike Boddicker, you had Storm Davis in there. And uh, you could patch the rest of it together with Dennis Martinez, Alan Ramirez, an aging Jim Palmer. He was 37. But the bullpen, you had Sammy Stewart and Tippy Martinez. Tim Stoddard starting to falter this year, but mostly a very good bullpen for the Orioles. They played a couple series with the Brewers in early June, won five of the six, and I think that was kind of their defining moment. They got to 42-34 and 34 right around the All-Star break, and there were still six teams within five games of each other at that point. Orioles, Yankees, Tigers, Brewers, Red Sox, and Blue Jays. But 
Baltimore went 10-3 and out of the break. They moved ahead, then quickly lost seven games. So no one really in control until the, the final push in late August. They had the Blue Jays, Twins, and Royals on the docket. Took 11 out of 12 from those teams. So they were four and a half up on Labor Day. And they went into a four-game weekend series against the Yankees. Lost the opener when McGregor gave up a two-run home run to Greg Nettles in the eighth inning. First game of a Saturday doubleheader was tied 2-2 in the ninth. Orioles broke it open. Brother Lowe with a grand slam. They took the nightcap 3-1 behind Boddicker. It all just seemed to get going from there. And uh, a very unlikely hero would emerge down towards the end of the season. Anybody remember John Stefaro, Stumpy? He was a backup catcher, had only 14 plate appearances, had only about 200 for his major league career. But a walk-off single to complete a 10-9 comeback win late in the season. And he would do it again at another walk-off and an 8-7 win. This before the Orioles went to Detroit and split four games. But uh, we're down to 10 games left in the series now. They're up to a seven-game lead, so no real drama. 98-64 and final record. And less than a month later, Cal Ripken grabs a soft line drive to end game five in Philly. And yes, the Orioles had themselves a champion. Elsewhere around the majors in 83, well, Brooks Robinson, Orioles legend, going into the Hall of Fame. And so did the man he had replaced as the Orioles third baseman, fellow Arkansas native George Kell. Both those men would end up being popular TV broadcasters for the Orioles and the Tigers. Cy Young Awards in 83, Lamar Hoyt and John Denny, really, for the White Sox and the Phillies. Your Rookies of the Year were Ron Kittle of the White Sox and Daryl Strawberry of the Mets. Your Managers of the Year, Tony La Russa and Tommy Lasorda. They'd both win again five years later once La Russa was in Oakland. Wade Boggs and Bill Madlock were your batting champions that year. Jim Rice and Mike Schmidt, your home run champions. Dale Murphy, the most runs batted in the National League. Cecil Cooper and Jim Rice tied for most in the American League. As for pop culture in 83, well, other than this great music you're listening to right now, the Washington Redskins won their first Super Bowl. They beat the Dolphins. This was a shortened season because of a player's strike. Final episode of MASH was on TV. Uh, Motown celebrated 25 years with a big TV special where Michael Jackson performed Billie Jean and introduced the moonwalk to everybody. Kiss appeared for the first time in public without their makeup. That on MTV. That rocked everybody's world. You guys ready to have your worlds rocked with these throwback lineups now? Let's get you the 97 Marlins first. With Edgar Renteria leading off, he'll be the shortstop. Eisenreich in center, Sheffield in right. Alou in left, Bonilla at third. Charles Johnson, the catcher. Kurt Abbott at second base. Jeff Conine at first. And Devon White will DH in bat number nine. As for the Orioles... Keeping it here in 83. T-Bone Shelby leads it off in center. Then Ken Singleton, he'll DH. Steady Eddie Murray at first base. Cal Ripken Jr. at short. John Lowenstein is in the left field. Dan Ford in right. Rick Dempsey is the catcher. Todd Cruz at third. Rich Dower at second base and batting ninth. Mike Flanagan, the lefty on the mound, warming up, wearing number 46 on his back. 12-4 and four this year. 3.30 ERA. Born and raised in Manchester, New Hampshire. The son of Ed and Lorraine Flanagan, one of four children they had, actually. And under the coaching of his dad and grandfather, Ed Sr., they had both played in the Red Sox organization. Flanagan uh, took off as a kid. 18 strikeouts in a six-inning Little League game got everybody's attention. Played freshman basketball at the University of Massachusetts. And uh, Rick Patino was there at that time. So was Dr. J., not for nothing. 
Flanagan, a slow curveball, a heavy sinker, fastball changeup taught to him by Scott McGregor in 1979. Rick Dempsey says on the days he doesn't have his good stuff, he, he still comes at you. He'll change his rhythm, change his speed. He'll drop down, throw that sidearm curveball, every weapon in his arsenal to get you out. On the days when he has his good stuff, you really have no chance, is what Rick Dempsey says. But let's see what he's got against Edgar Renteria, all of 20 years old. 277 hitter from the right side. Four home runs, 52 runs batted in. First pitch high, ball one, and we are underway in Baltimore. Check the defense for you. Mentioned brother low in left. You got Shelby in center, forward and right. Round the horn third to first, Cruz, Ripken, Dower, and Murray. Rick Dempsey doing the catching as the pitch is outside 2-0. Marlins in their black tops, gray pants as the visitors. The Orioles at home with the white pants and bright orange traffic cone tops. The word Orioles in black script across the chest. Here's a pitch in for a strike now from Flanagan. His first strike of the night, 2-1. and one. No score just underway at Memorial Stadium, which seats 54,000 for baseball, 65,000 for football. Here in the northeastern part of the city in the Waverly neighborhood. Next pitch in for a strike two and two. Now the horseshoe shape of this stadium is okay for baseball. It's not good for football. It's horse something else for football. Those 40 to 50 yard line seats actually take you away from the field. And the Colts will be moving to Indianapolis a year from now. Next pitch foul down near third. And the third base coach Rich Donnelly lets it go by. Still two and two. When the Orioles will leave this ballpark, a minor league team, the AA Bowie Bay Sox, will play at Memorial Stadium for a year. And then when the Ravens will come in, remember the relocated Cleveland Browns, they'll play a couple of years here before their new stadium is ready. Residential neighborhood. Very unique. Here's a pitch to Renteria. Swing and a miss, strike three. There's that big slow curveball. Flanny throwing it on two and two to get Renteria. And it brings up a more seasoned player in Jim Eisenreich. He's 38, not 20. Batted 280 this year, a couple of home runs, 34 runs batted in. One time 16th round pick of the Twins out of St. Cloud State of Minnesota. Broke in wearing number four as a twin. He's number eight as a Marlin, having also played for Kansas City and Philadelphia. The two teams that matched up in the 1980 World Series, back when Eisenreich was a, a mere 21-year-old pup. Pitch to the left-hand batter. A sharp ground ball towards second base right at Dower. Good with the glove. He'll throw to first in plenty of time. Two down. And that'll bring up a dangerous righty now in Gary Sheffield. Five-time Silver Slugger, down year this year in 1997. Only a 250 batting average, but he did walk 121 times. And he will really catch fire in 98 and beyond. First-round pick of the Brewers. Sixth overall in 86. He takes high from Flanagan. The fastball 1-0. You go back to Sheffield's childhood in Tampa. Great hitter in Little League. Great pitcher, too, because of what his uncle Dwight Gooden had taught him. But he had some attitude problems. Once when he was late to practice, his coach benched him. Sheffield, they say, picked up a bat, chased the coach all over the field. So he was kicked off the team for a year. 
Flanagan's pitch outside, 2-0. Now, when Sheffield got back to it, at 11 years old, he got on that Belmont Heights Little League All-Star team with future Cubs number one pick Ty Griffin. Derek Bell was on that team. A couple other future big league players. Pitches outside 3-0. and And anyway, if you want to fast forward, Sheffield will end up with 509 big league home runs. Slotted behind guys like, well, Ted Williams, Ernie Banks, Eddie Matthews, Mel Ott just ahead of him. Eddie Murray just behind him. 509 to 504 on that home run tote board. Next delivery is low, ball four. So now Sheffield will be able to go on to first base and say hello to Eddie Murray. Murray, not very conversational here in a scoreless first inning as Moises Salou comes up. 292 hitter, 23 home runs, 115 batted in. And in the World Series, 321 with three home runs, nine runs batted in just in that seven-game World Series. He was not the MVP. That went to LeVon Hernandez, who will be on the mound in this one here tonight. Pitch from Flanagan poured in for a strike. There's that curveball. It's nothing in one. Although we'll move on to the Houston Astros and end up with 38 home runs next year, 124 runs batted in. Not bad this year. 23 home runs and 115. Pitch sailing outside the fastball. It's one and one. Of course, Alou eventually will play against these Marlins in the NLCS in 2003. Chasing a foul ball that made a lot of people famous. Alou with an unusual batting stance, back leg inverted, bat held high and straight up vertically, almost perpendicular to home plate. Here's the pitch. That is cranked in a left, a base hit. And Sheffield will pull into second and stop there. It's going to be two on, two out. And a chance for Bobby Bonilla. The switch hitter hit 297 this year, 17 home runs, 96 batted in, had 39 doubles. And like Alou, well-traveled too. Certainly well paid. He makes a million plus a year every year from the Mets. Every year through the year 2035. True story. Every July 1st, it is Bobby Bonilla Day in Queens. Pitch from Flanagan. Swing and a miss. It's nothing in one. A Bobby Bow from the Bronx in New York. Not selected in the 1981 baseball draft. Spent a semester at the New York Institute of Technology trying for his degree in computer science. Then he went to a baseball camp in Europe. Sid Thrift of the Pirates saw him and said, uh, we got room for you in Pittsburgh. Next delivery in there for a strike. It's 0-2 with two on, two out. Now Sid Thrift, then the Pirates general manager, would get Benia from the White Sox, who had stolen him away in the Rule 5 draft, take him back, and boy, his career really got going in Pittsburgh. Pitch outside, it's now 1-2. and two. Bonilla becoming the Pirates' starting third baseman in 87, but 67 errors over two years, so Jim Leland moved him to right field, and now Jim Leland has moved him to Miami, where he's been very solid. Pitch is low, it's 2-2. Two and two. So yeah, this travel log for Benia: White Sox, Pirates, Mets, Orioles, Marlins, 
Then Dodgers, Mets again, Braves, and few remember he ended up with the St. Louis Cardinal in 2001. Pitch to the six-time All-Star is lined in a left field. That's going to be down for a base hit. Run's going to score as the throw comes back in now. Skipping the home plate, Dempsey blocks it. It's one to nothing. The Marlins grab the lead. Two on, two out still. As Bobby Bonilla comes through. Got it up and over. A leaping Cal Ripken Jr. So now Charles Johnson, 250 hitter with 19 home runs. Two-time National League All-Star. One of the best defensive catchers of his era. Four straight gold gloves between 95 and 98. And the pitch to him, a strike. It's nothing in one. Fort Pierce, Florida native. First round pick of the 92 draft coming out of the University of Miami, the U. It also been a first round pick of the Expos coming out of high school three years before that, but didn't sign. The 92 draft, not nearly as strong as that one in 89. The 92 draft, famous for having Phil Nevin first, then a bunch of Flotsam and Jetsam, and then Derek Jeter sixth. With two on the pitch. That is hit up the alley into right center. Base hit rolling towards the wall. One run in as it's gotten back in towards the infield. Two runs are going to score. It is a 3-0 lead right away here. The 97 Marlins jumping all over Mike Flanagan. That pitch was up. And Charles Johnson just nailed it up the alley right between Shelby and Ford. Ford finally got it at the base of the wall in right center. But standing at second base with a two RBI double is CJ, Charles Johnson. And as Kurt Abbott comes to the plate, a visit from pitching coach Ray Miller. And we'll see if Flanagan, who obviously doesn't have the great stuff here. We were talking about that in the scouting report provided by Rick Dempsey. But, you know, he's got ways to, to soldier through. And he always keeps that sense of humor about him. One of the great punsters even before Chris Berman. That's kind of where Chris Berman of ESPN got that shtick from. John Clams Castino of the Minnesota Twins. That came not from Chris Berman, but from Ray Miller. Mordecai Six-Toles Cano, based on a Mordecai Three-Finger Brown. <laughs> and I, I love what, what Flanny did. He called himself... In 1980, Cy Young, because he was. Jim Palmer was Cy Old. Steve Stone was Cy Present. And Scott McGregor was Cy Future. When Storm Davis, whose pitching motion resembled Palmer's, joined the Orioles a couple years later, he was Cyclone. And then if they were injured or sent away, he called the pitcher Sayonara. <laughs> so here now, Flanagan, after that settle-down session from Ray Miller, He's ready to go against Kurt Abbott. Right-hand batter in the pitch. He is cut on, hit in the air toward shallow left field. That'll be the inning here as Lowenstein puts it away. Side retired. However, three runs come in. Some rocky chop for Mike Flanagan to navigate. Marlins have the early lead. The Marlins of 97. Let's keep it here in 97 as we pause for this. Fire ants are not lovable. People do not want fire ant plush toys. They aren't cuddly, they don't do little tricks, they just bite you and leave red stinging welts that make you want to cry. That's why they have to die, and they have to die right now. You don't want them to have a long lingering illness, you want death. 
a quick, excruciating, see-you-in-hell kind of death. You don't want to lug a bag of chemicals and a garden hose around the yard. It takes too long. And baits can take up to a week. No, my friend, what you want is Antstop Orthene Fire Ant Killer from Ortho. You put two teaspoons of Antstop around the mound and you're done. You don't even water it in. The scout ants bring it back into the mound. And this is the really good part. Everybody dies. Even the queen. It's that fast. And that's good. Because killing fire ants shouldn't be a full-time job even if it is pretty fun. And stop Orthene Fire Ant Killer from Ortho. Kick fire ant butt. For best results, always follow label instructions. Well, as for something you can get into right now, here in 2020, when I'm assuming you're listening to this, we might suggest you try out our good friends at Coffee Bean and Tea Leaf. Most perfectly blended coffee on either coast of the great USA. If you're on the West Coast, you'll know Coffee Bean and Tea Leaf is around and fantastic. Since 1963, they've brought to the finest coffees and teas from all around the world. With responsibly sourced ingredients and handcrafted coffees and teas, the Coffee Bean and Tea Leaf truly an experience like no other. Well, already a 3-0 lead for the 97 Marlins. They've got young Levon Hernandez on the mound, said to be 22 here in 97, but who really knows? Cuban defector, after meeting with numerous team officials in the Dominican, signed with the Marlins in order to live in Miami. This rookie year of 97, he won games one and five of the World Series against the Indians. Had that postseason record 15 strikeout game in game five of the NLCS against the Braves. Had a little help from home plate umpire Eric Gregg in that one. Here in 97, as a young man, he's got a hot fastball. Mid-90s, good slider, good change. Eventually, he'll become a finesse pitcher, but right now it's all about the octane. And he's a great fielder, we should point out, too. He'll finish up seven full seasons without making an error. John Shelby digging in, 258 batter, one of three switch hitters at the top of the order for Joe Altabelli. Future Dodger and Tiger, but for now the center fielder for these Orioles. Former first-round draft pick. He swings and fouls one into the crowd left side at strike one. Look, if you want to flash forward to now, Shelby's oldest son, John III, played some minor league ball, now an assistant coach for the Kentucky Wildcats baseball program. There's another son, Jeremy Shelby, played a year in the Orioles farm system. Another son played at the University of Kentucky, was drafted by the A's, and a nephew you'll know as Josh Harrison. Very good utility player in the big leagues. Pitch is high this time. It's one and one. Defensively for the Marlins, you've got Alou in left, Eisenreich in center, Sheffield in right. Round the horn third to first, Benia, Renteria, Abbott, and Conine. Conine in a little bit at first. Charles Johnson hangs the sign, and here's the pitch. It's grounded sharply towards first base, right at the drawn-in Conine. He'll touch up, and it's one up, one down. 3-0 lead for these visiting Marlins. Here's Ken Singleton now. Hit 276 this year. We talked earlier about Bobby Bonilla being born kind of nearby Yankee Stadium. And Ken Singleton, born in Manhattan, raised in Mount Vernon, New York. Played in the Bronx Federation League right across the street from old Yankee Stadium. Got a basketball scholarship to Hofstra. Played baseball there as well. Was drafted not by the Yankees, but the Mets. In 67, pitch, a fastball, in for a strike, nothing in one. Singleton moved on to the Expos and then to the Orioles. 
1974. Most valuable Oriole in 75, 77, and 79. Could have been MVP in 79. Lost to his buddy Don Baylor. As the pitch flies outside, breaking ball this time from Hernandez, 1-1. One and one. Last year, 1982, Singy receiving the Roberto Clemente Award, the highest off-the-field honor you can get in baseball. And he'll retire after the 84 season. Is only a three-time All-Star. That's surprising. And the one championship ring that he won here in 83. Pitch to Singleton. He is hit on the ground. One friendly hop right at Abbott. Kurt Abbott plans and throws to Conine. Two down. That'll bring up Eddie Murray. Finished second in the MVP at balloting this year. 33 home runs, 111 runs batted in. The eighth of 12 children born to the Murray household in L.A. Future Hall of Famer spending his first 12 years as an Oriole, then on to the Dodgers, Mets, and Indians before a repeat engagement as an Oriole in 96. Pitch from Lavana Hernandez, fastball high, 1-0. Switch hitter batting left, and here with the Orioles, Eddie Murray will average 28 homers, 99 batted in, a perennial MVP candidate. Very close-knit friendship with the man on deck, Cal Ripken Jr., Ripken has credited Murray with teaching him the, the famous work ethic, which will serve him very well for 2,632 consecutive games. Conine playing in back of the bag, off the line. Benilla's deep at third. Now the pitch. Line shot caught at first base by Conine. Ooh, that was a pellet off the bat of Eddie Murray, but boy, everything right at these Marlins fielders here early. No runs, hits, or errors. Nobody left. At the end of one, it's the 97 Marlins ahead, 3 to nothing over the 83 Baltimore Orioles. Let's keep it here in 1983 and pause for this. Clap on. Clap off. Clap on. Clap off. Clap clap Let's you turn things on or off from anywhere in the room. Just plug in the clapper and the television, lamp, stereo, almost anything you want to clap on and off. Clap on. Walgreens, Osco, Perry, Woolworth, and participating Ace, True Value, and HWI. Well, as we talk about 1983, as we get you back here to Baltimore, thought we'd check in with Ken Singleton. He wanted to weigh in on his manager. No, not Earl Weaver. That's not who it is in 83. It is Joe Altabelli. Altabelli was a good manager, Josh, but, you know, we were a veteran team that he took over. And in 82, we, got, we lost a chance to go to the playoffs on the last day of the season. We lost to the Brewers. We had to win four in a row to win the division and we won the first three and we lost on Sunday. Um, right. And I think that that stuck with all of us over the winter. That uh, And that was the reason why uh, in 83 I thought we had more injuries. I thought there were we had more issues with the team keeping people on the field. But it didn't, it didn't deter us. I think we all were upset by the fact that we lost on the last day. And also, I also believe that we wanted to prove to Earl that we could win without him. And we right. did. Uh, another thing with Altabelli, uh, he was a lot more quiet than Earl, a lot more passive. Uh, and, and as Mike Flanagan used to say, the ship is steering itself. And um, uh, he, he kind of got out of the way and let us play. 
and uh, we did. You know, we got it done. Well, thanks to Ken Singleton for sharing those memories. We're going to move ahead to further action here. Three-nothing ball game. The Marlins on top. Going to the bottom of the fourth, T-Bone Shelby reaches on a Jeff Conine fielding error. He kicked one right near the bag. Singleton would fly out to deep center, but then Murray is single to right, making it first and third. Cal Ripken bangs into a 5-4 fielder's choice. A little bit of a bobble on the transfer from Kurt Abbott. And Shelby able to score to cut it down to 3-1. and one. A 3-1 ball game now as we get into the bottom of the fifth, as a matter of fact. Dan Ford leads it off for the Orioles. Hernandez still on the mound, doing well under the lights on a cold, crisp night here in Baltimore. And the glasses wearing Disco Danny Ford, picked 18th overall back in 1970 by the A's. Was then dealt to the Twins. Was a regular in their lineup. In fact, he had the first home run ever at the rebuilt Yankee Stadium in 1976 as a twin. Taking a fastball high here, it's 1-0. Winter meetings of 78, Ford traded to the Angels for Danny Goodwin and Ron Jackson. And then three years after that, here to the Orioles for Doug DeSensei and a pitcher named Jeff Schneider. Next delivery is cut on fouls right at the plate. It's one and one. Ford had some big hits for the 83 Orioles. In May, homered in the eighth against Richard Dotson, the only hit in a 1-0 win over the White Sox. That's a team the Orioles would eventually face in the 83 ALCS. And then Ford would have a home run off Steve Carlton in Game 3 of the World Series. Here's the kick, here's the pitch. Swung on, lined in a center field. That's a base hit by a flailing Renteria. Eisenreich scoops it up and plays it in. So Dan Ford is on. That brings up Rick Dempsey, 231 hitting catcher, had four home runs, and like Dan Ford, a former twin, he was an Indian as well before coming to Baltimore. And really the highlight of the Dempers' career came here in 83 when the Orioles won that pennant, beat the White Sox into the World Series. Dempsey, a 385 batting average in the World Series, 923 slugging percentage. He was the World Series MVP. Dempsey waiting, taking, strike one. And like his battery mate, we've talked about the sense of humor of Mike Flanagan. Well, certainly Dempsey has one of those too. Famous for those rain delay theater performances where he'd come out of the dugout during rain delays, pantomime hitting an inside the park home run, sliding in a home plate on his belly on the wet tarp. Ford takes his lead from first. And the pitch that is hit high in the air to left center. That ball drifting back and skipping against the wall. Eisenreich will play it on the warning track. Ford comes to third. He's being held. Cal Ripken Sr. didn't want to chance it with the Orioles down 3-1. to one. It'll be second and third now. And Todd Cruz will have an opportunity. Now, Cruz not having a great season by any stretch. 208 batting average. Three home runs, but... That's some good talk from Joe Altabelli about him. He said, the biggest move we made is when we got Todd Cruz from Seattle. Hank Peters, GM, bringing him in. Leo Hernandez was a little late getting to the ball. Sometimes his range was shallow. Not a strong arm to start a double play. So Todd Cruz had been playing shortstop for the Mariners. Comes to Baltimore, they move him to third. He had great range. Kind of solidified the infield for the second half of the season, according to Joe Altabelli. Pitch to Cruz, that's high for ball one. 
Cruz grew up in Mexican town in Detroit. Originally a Philadelphia Phillies draft pick out of Western High School in Detroit. 26th overall, matter of fact. Moved along to the Royals. But he was kind of blocked there too. So moved from there to the Angels, to the White Sox, to the Mariners. And now to Baltimore as the pitch fades outside. This bottom of the order, they call themselves the Three Stooges. Dempsey, Dower on deck, Cruz right now. Cruz is Curly. Dempsey and Dower were Moe and Larry, respectively. Here's a pitch to Curly Cruz. Swung on, hit into right center. That's down, base hit. One run already in. They're looking for two. It's going to be a two-RBI single for Todd Cruz. This is a brand-new ball game at 3-3. Disco Danny Ford scored first, and then one of those Stooges came rumbling in behind him, Rick Dempsey. So a 3-3 game, and we'll move ahead and tell you, Dower flies to left, but the top of the order, Shelby singles Cruz along to third. Singleton then hits into a 6-4 fielder's choice. That gives the Orioles a 4-3 lead. Eddie Murray up next, fly ball to deep left, but not deep enough. Moises Salou goes back to the track makes that catch for the third out. But the, the big news is it's now 4-3 for the home team. And it'll stay that way up until we get to the top of inning eight. Let's fast forward all the way to there. Sammy Stewart now on the mound. And Edgar Renteria with a walk and a stolen base. Eisenreich flies to center, but Gary Sheffield, RBI base hit into right center, ties it up 4-4. The throwback in from Dan Ford, not in time. Pitching change will be made at that point. Tim Stoddard comes in. He actually strikes out Alou and Bonilla. Big spot right there to keep it knotted up at 4-4. Four to four. So, to the bottom of the eighth, Jay Powell comes in. Right away, gives up a leadoff bloop single to John Shelby, falling right at the feet of Eisenreich. But then, Shelby trying to steal second base. You don't do that on Charles Johnson, do you? Yeah. Charles Johnson gunned him down. Wasn't really even close. That's a huge play. Cleared the bases. Singleton then a strikeout making it two out, nobody on. Eddie Murray walks, Cal Ripken walks. So, call to the bullpen, Dennis Cook comes on and gets a ground out to first. Three base runners in the inning, Baltimore fails to score. Let's see if that'll come back to bite him. We get to the top of the ninth, Tim Stoddard still on the mound, facing Charles Johnson, gets him right away. First pitch, bounce out to short, give Cal Ripken Jr. something to do, so there's one away. And Kurt Abbott will come up as we'll hit the restart button here. Little surprise or not pinch hitting. Craig Council, the lefty, could be used, but Jim Leland, uh, Leland stays with Abbott, who's up against Stoddard, one of only two men to have played in both the World Series and a Final Four of the NCAA Men's Basketball Championship. Fellow East Chicago Washington High School alum Kenny Lofton is the other guy on that list. Stoddard, the big leg kick, and the pitch, it's low. It's 1-0. Big right-hander, Stoddard, with the White Sox in 75, then to the Orioles. Eventually, we'll get to the Cubs and the Padres and the Yankees and the Indians. And in current time, the pitching coach for the baseball team at North Central College in the Midwest. The pitch to Abbott coming, and it's inside, 2-0. Backed him off the plate. Just a few years ago, in 1980... Stoddard got into 64 games, and he was fourth in the American League with 26 saves. 
That would stand as an Orioles record until Don Ossie broke it with 34 saves in 86. Of course, Greg Olson would break it later. But then Stoddard started sharing the closer's role eventually with Tippy Martinez and did not have a good year here in 83. Next pitch ladled outside. It's 3-0. and Matter of fact, the ERA, just like the height of Stoddard, over 6 here in the 83 season, 6.09. Stoddard is six foot seven. got that dark mustache. He looks in for the sign from Dempsey, another man with a mustache. And the pitch. That is in the dirt, ball four. So in a 4-4 game in the top of the ninth, here comes Jeff Conine, who is starting to establish himself as Mr. Marlin. Although at this point in his career, he's just kind of getting that going for the first time. 242 hitter, 17 home runs, 61 runs batted in. Not bad for the one-time 58th round pick. Not 58th overall, 58th round out of UCLA. That by the Kansas City Royals. Pitch to him. That's a strike right down the middle, nothing in one. Conine, 31 years old this year. He'll move back to Kansas City next year. Then on to Baltimore, then eventually back to these Marlins before a weird flurry at the end of his career. Baltimore, Philly, Cincinnati, Mets, all in the last two years of a 17-year career. One man on, we're tied up in the top of the ninth here in Baltimore. Wind picking up a little bit, kind of blowing across the field right to left. Stoddard has the sign he wants and deals. Swing, high fly ball towards center field. This ball taking off. Shelby back. He's at the track. He's at the wall. It is gone. It's a home run for Jeff Conine. Beyond that 405 marker, over the leaping Shelby, a good three feet beyond his reach. It's an Oriole of the future haunting an Orioles team of the 83 present. Six to four game now. Jeff Conine, a man with 214 career home runs. He hits a huge one here. And that's going to be it for the struggling Stoddard. Call's going to go to Alan Ramirez to retire the side from here. And he does. Going to the bottom of the ninth, Rob Nen comes on, trying to close it for these underdog five-seed Marlins. The 97 Marlins, three outs away. And it's the 6-7-8 part of the order. Dan Ford flies to left. Rick Dempsey flies to right. Todd Cruz stays in the game to hit. He's already had a big hit in this game, but he grounds out sharply to Edgar Renteria, delivers to Conine to end the ball game. Conine delivered himself. That's the guy that gets the game ball. His two-run home run on the top of the ninth to complete the comeback. Remember, the Marlins had the three-run first, then lost the lead. Orioles had the one in the fourth, the three in the fifth to go up four to three. But the Marlins tying it in the eighth, winning it in the ninth. Six runs, eight hits, one error overall. Four, six, and oh for the Orioles who will go home. Wow. So as we get ready to preview the final four, we'll give you the final pitching lines. Lavada Hernandez, six innings of five hit ball. Didn't walk anybody and only struck out two. An unusual line for him. Jay Powell pitched well in relief. So did Dennis Cook, who got the win. Rob Nen the save. Flanagan, may he rest in peace. One of the great guys in baseball. Five innings, gave up three runs. 
did not absorb the loss. That would be Stoddard later, who pitched in between Stewart and Ramirez. So, on to the final four we go. Here's what we're looking at. The 0-4 Red Sox and 84 Tigers will match up. That'll be Derek Lowe against Jack Morris. And these 97 Marlins are the lowest seed, or actually, I guess the highest seed to move on. They're a number five. They'll take on a one seed, the 86 Mets at Shea. Boy, that'll be an incredible game. Kevin Brown against Doc Gooden in that one. So, pick your team here. 0-4 Red Sox, the, the, the group of idiots. The 84 Tigers, bless you boys. The 97 pre-fire sale Marlins. And those 86 Mets that everybody loved to hate. That's your final four. And again, the final in this one, 6-4. The 97 Marlins over the 83 Orioles. It's still not too late to subscribe to this podcast, by the way. Hope you've already done it and hope you've left us a nice review. We appreciate that. The box scores, all the podcasts are all available on the league website, thethrowbackleague.com. This is Josh Lewin from the old ballpark at 33rd Street in Baltimore. Thanks again so much for listening. Congratulations to the 97 Marlins. They've defeated the 83 Orioles 6-4. to four.